Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, watch the clock, watch the clock, it'll show it up there. And welcome back to Wrestling Mindset, Mindset Monday. Today we're talking about secrets of Soviet sports training as well as wrestling-specific strength. We're talking about our, our coaches convention still going on strong. A lot of coaches were saying that was the best single best wrestling event they've ever been a part of. Really not the single greatest event because it was two days. We're talking about Dr. Yeses today, and we're talking about the great Dr. David Kirby, the International Journal of Wrestling Science. You almost got the title right. It is Wrestling Science and Soviet Strength Training, but close enough. So, we're, yeah, we're recapping the convention. I'm going to go through the numbers again. I did it last time. I'll go through it as we're still recapping the numbers. So we had 31 speakers over two days, over 16 hours of content, 1,800 people attended, seven Olympic gold medalists, over 40 NCAA team titles, dozens of world team members, and we raised over 3,500 for Beat the Streets Wrestling. Those are just the numbers. It was an event. What you didn't hear about in the numbers, though, is the content, the great content. Dr. Yeses, Gable was pumped for him. During, his, during Gable's presentation, we said the next guy translated 30 years worth of Soviet, Soviet-specific sports journals from 1964 until the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1994. And Gable said, I want to learn from this guy. That's right. Gable's fired up. He wants, he wants to listen to this podcast, too. So, so should you, your coaches, and your wrestlers. So we'll start with this. We always put out something for the summer, the top summer mistakes that wrestlers make. And one of the... I think number three on the, on the list is getting focusing on getting big instead of getting better or getting stronger. So talk about that a little bit, Gene. Getting, getting big is a summer mistake that wrestlers make. What do we mean by that? Because we always get a lot of backlash from that one. So I think it needs an explanation. Yeah, we hear that a lot. A lot of times the coaches, what the parents are really trying to say is they want their athletes to get stronger. Essentially, they've been cutting weight over a long season. They shrunk their body down. Now they say we want to get we want to get them stronger. We want to get them big. They're bulking up, which is funny because we know they're going to wind up cutting down. That's right. Two tickets to the gun show. 
But he said, then they'll then then when the season comes, they'll say, oh, the kid's not big enough. They're always focusing on size. And really, that's that's something that I learned from, you know, just wrestling as well as even Westside Barbell. Louis Simmons over there would speak about it's it's important not to focus on getting on bigger, but getting stronger. Even in powerlifting, they have weight classes. So the the more the more weight you gain, the bigger people you're going to be in with. So that's not the idea. And really, if you want a a good measure of a person's explosive power and they're just overall um, just power output is how high of a box they could jump up onto. So the heavier you weigh, the less, the less, the more your box jump goes down. So you're automatically going to be slower. They say there's actually direct correlation between how high you can jump on the box and your personal running speed. So as your box jump goes up, your running speed increases basically in a direct correlation. But they're not even thinking about the right thing. They're really thinking about they want to get their athletes stronger, which means you're going to train a lot more like a power lifter. Not that you will be training like a power lifter. You want to train like a wrestler to get your hand raised. And that's what Dr. Yassa speaks about in uh, Transfer of Training. He says, you have, well, that's not the name of his book. He's got other books. But he says your training has to transfer to the sport that you're competing at. Otherwise, if you could bench 300 pounds or squat 400 so what? You can hang those numbers up in the, in, the, in, the, in the gym bathroom or something. That's not really – you want to get your hand raised. So you're not thinking about getting bigger. You're thinking of getting quick, quick, quick thing I was thinking about when you said that. You did a recent interview with Andy Rovat, and he was saying he could usually tell the best wrestlers in the room by how far their broad jump is. He could have everyone stand on the line and see how far they broad jump. And he's like, these are probably the best wrestlers because – you know, if you could broad jump further, it's probably a little bit easier to get to the leg. If you get to the leg more, you're probably going to be more successful. Of course, not a perfect correlation, but there's there's definitely something there where, you know, the explosiveness is what you're looking for, not just the big guns. Like, you don't have to have guns like this to be a good wrestler. Right, right. We had two guys wrestle in the state finals this past year in New Jersey, two guys we've worked with in the past. And one guy was just much more explosive than the other. Not that he was a much better wrestler, and he just dominated him in the state finals, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, he was, you know, I mean, both, of, both of them were our guys. Uh, one guy I worked a little bit closer with, but the point is, it's just power, power output. And a lot of times we're not, we're just not focusing on it the right way. Uh, a lot of guys are just lifting weights like bodybuilders, um, just trying to put on more muscle. It's, it's the wrong mentality. Wrestle bigger kids in practice and, and wrestle up a weight in the summer. And then when the season comes around, you know, you're going to be ready to go. You don't have to cut a lot of weight. Dr. David Kirby speaks about that. So he, ha- he wrote, uh, the International Journal of Wrestling Science. He didn't write it. He's the director of a committee that I bought all the back orders of these from 1990, from, from 20, well, about 2014 until the present. There was many, many articles. These are wrestling journals from around the world. So peer reviewed, just like any real, kind of medical real journal. Real quick, I wrote a couple numbers down for that. So the International Journal of Wrestling Science, over 500 members from 89 countries. So it's not just America, 89 countries, 500 members. And these are doctors, scientists, and wrestling professionals. So it's not any just Joe Schmo off the street. These are people that are, you know, learning at a high level, different areas of, um, of wrestling science. And it's specific to the sport, which is, which is awesome. You don't see that a lot. Go ahead. That's, that's right. And I'm going to even go ahead and do some name dropping as I, as I pull this thing up on my computer. International Journal of Wrestling Science. So again, I've been on these emails. This guy contacted me back in 2014 after my thesis dropped of um, the relationship between perfectionism and anxiety. We'll get, get to that at the end. Let's get to the thesis at the end. Yep. Yeah, we talk. So, so he got me on this journal, and who did I see on there? But Yuri Shakamaradov, who was the coach of the Soviet Union back when the Bella Glassoffs were there. 
a lot of really high level people. I'm not able, I mean, all the Olympic coaches were on it. You saw Bill Zadick. You just see a lot of, um, here it is. Here it is. Now we're able to see it. So if you look at the blind carbon copy, well, I guess maybe he hid, he might've hid the names now, but the coaches that were on this, it was unbelievable. I mean, all the people that we were getting in touch with, trying to get in touch with, they were all there. So it's basically the who is who of wrestling science. And like we said, it's all wrestling specific research. So just like there's <clears throat> just like there's medical journals, there's wrestling journals out there. And this is the only one that I'm aware of. So make sure you subscribe. And and my thesis is in there. Dr. Yeses? No? no, no, we might as well get into that point. So Dr. Kirby, during his presentation at the leadership clinic, he talked about weight loss. Obviously a big topic when it comes to wrestling. And it was it was a study, you know, again, it was one of the studies it was researched with wrestlers from I believe they were from the Olympics, and it was showing that the 5% rule isn't, isn't a random rule. It's showing that basically you shouldn't be walking around more than 5% of what you're going to wrestle. So that's just a good rule of thumb. Of course, it's going to be different based on age and experience, but pretty good rule of thumb, which means you're not cutting that much weight if you're only losing 5% of what you're walking around at. And I think, and I, I believe I read in there at one point in time that most Olympic champs are about, on average, somewhere between 7 and, and 10% body fat. So it's a lot higher of a percentage of body fat than you would than you would normally expect. Now, granted, they are adults, so kids are going to have less body fat than adults. So that's that's one of the things also. But in other words, it's not it's not Rocky Four. A lot of times we get caught up thinking that the best guy is going to be absolutely shredded and have this the sick V taper that goes like that's bodybuilding. And unfortunately, the bodybuilding mentality, even though it got a lot of people to lift weights and take weightlifting and strength training serious, it just permeated the wrestling community in the sports world to, to a big time detriment because most wrestlers could probably lift weights less and get a better bang for their buck. I mean, think about the way we were lifting in high school. We lifted probably how many days a week were we lifting? Five, six? Up, to, up to six days a week. Yeah, more, more than we needed to. And we weren't getting nearly the results that we wanted to. But again, the 5% rule shows after 5%, there's huge detriments in your performance. And I'm sure that's because of the physical reasons, but also mental, which we were talking about before, because once you're losing more than 5% of your body weight, you know, you're not happy in practice, right? It becomes weight watchers instead of getting better at wrestling. You're miserable. You're not happy. You know, it affects your mood. So it's not just a physical detriment, but mental as well. So 5%, a pretty good rule of thumb when you think about it. It's not a lot of weight. You're 200 pounds. It's only 10 pounds. But um, that shows that, you know, if you're eating right, if you're training right, you shouldn't be able to lose too much weight. You should be competing pretty close to what you walk around at. Right. Soriano is a good example of that because he was just always in shape year round. So what? He's not going to be able to cut more than five pounds, probably. And there's a lot of really good guys like that. And in fact, a lot of in our Meeting of the Minds episodes that we've had over the past year since COVID, a lot of people said they really didn't cut a lot of weight just because they, they couldn't. And, and also, we always talk about using wrestling as a vehicle to build virtue. We see a lot of people, and we're probably all guilty of this in the past, but we treated people like crap. We got lazy. We got selfish. We didn't do our chores. We didn't want to help move the mats with the team. because we, there, we, didn't, we didn't mop the mats. Like, why should I mop mats? I'm cutting 15 pounds or whatever. Not, right. not, not a good teammate. Right. So, and, and, and we're guilty of that. So it's, it's, it's knowing how that all bleeds into the into you know, weight loss is going to cut into all of that. So making yep. sure, making sure you don't lose too much. All right, let's, let's go through it. So we went a little out of order, but first the, the next thing I want to talk about the one by 20 program, right? So that was the topic that Dr. Michael Yeses was talking about. 
So what should a young athlete be doing when he's training? The one by 20 program. Talk about that a little bit, Gene. So here's the one by 20. I found Dr. Yass's material and basically fell in love with it in probably 2013, 2014. All coaches and parents, not all of them, but a lot of them will say to us, how do I start my kids with, with weight training? What's the first thing they should be doing when they're lifting weights? Once they're time to lift weights, because before like nine years old, what they're doing is, is more push-ups, rope climb, pull-ups, body weight squats, things like gymnastics type activities. Once they start lifting weights. Yeah, before, you jump, before you jump in there, I'll say, we asked Dr. Yes, is at what age should you start the one by 20 program? He said between nine and 12 years old, very firm answer, which is always good to hear. He said, those are the most formative years, not just most important physical, but in terms of skills training. So nine to 12 is when you should be starting the, the one by 20 program. And yeah, and then from there, you kind of look at where the kid's at. Like I was always a Tarzan at a young age. So I was using doing the monkey bars, climbing on things. So maybe I wasn't ready to lift weights at a certain age. But once you start seeing some interest, it's not all of a sudden jump into our dad made like a three by 10 program, three sets, three, three sets, 10 reps, kind of a standard bodybuilding thing for us for each exercise. What he actually says is pick about you pick 20 different exercises, one targeting each different muscle. Now, he, t- he tells you how to do it the right way, where you're working the different muscles in your ankle, your calves, your knees, your thighs, your hamstrings, your hips, your lower back, your abs, your obliques, your chest, your, your shoulders, your el- your, you know, in your elbow, your forearms, your neck. So he goes through the whole body in its totality. If you couldn't do that would definitely be the way you would want to do it to strengthen every single muscle in your body. If you couldn't do that, I would say the most practical thing is just think of every single exercise that you know, write them down on a piece of paper. Just make sure there's some upper body, some lower body, some midsection. Like don't leave, don't leave major muscles out. But like if, if, if you didn't know certain things for whatever your ankle or your wrist, don't get too caught up in that, but pick something for your neck, pick something for your back, pick something for your chest and then do 20 reps. So, mm-hmm. and just one set. So it should be something where you can't do much more than 20. If you could do 20, Two twenty-three, you got to bump up the weight, and now it starts sliding down to maybe fourteen or something like that, and you work up to twenty. So the key there is you're working your muscular endurance. You're, you're because you're doing a lot of different exercises. It's it, it, you're hitting every single muscle. You're getting practice with the movement. The neuromuscular system needs to communicate more in the beginning. You only do ten reps. You're not getting a lot of communication between your neuro, neuro and muscular system. Also, kids are kids are naturally ADD, so they're all over the place. They're not going to want to. Oh, I do another set of pull-ups. I, I, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Like when I try to get my kid, my young kids, they're seven, five, four, and two, and you try to get them to do something. Like, no, I already did that. It's like I already, yeah. I, I was already bench, but I already did push-ups. It's like, no, you have to do another set. They're done once they did a set. It's like they think they did their pull-ups, they did their push-ups, and that's fine as long as you have a series of exercises that you go from one to the next. But what he was Check saying is that. I was gonna say, check check out the video because Doc that we have there, the Coach Tube video, we'll post a link in the show notes because Doctor Yesix explains that it's more of like I think he said it's around like a one month, a one or two month wave. So you do the same that you do one by twenty for like whatever it is, three or four. I think weeks. he said six, sixty to ninety days. He talked about the importance. You can't, you know, you'll plateau if you do the same program all year round. He said sixty to ninety days of one by twenty, and then about sixty to ninety days of two by fourteen. And then 60 to 90 days of, of three by eight. So that was that was the program. And he said, you asked him how many times per week? And he said, three days per week. He said, no more, no less. So a very concrete answer there. And the benefits of the one by 20, he said, we focus too much on strength, you know, but 
as a wrestler, you want to get good at wrestling. You know, like strength is important, but it's not everything. The one by 20 program, you're going to work mus muscular endurance. And then one that a lot of people forget about is coordination. He said, since you're working all the different muscle groups in the joints, you're going to improve your coordination, which frankly, most people are not thinking about at all, but it's, that's huge for a wrestler. You got to be coordinated. Yeah. You get, you usually get hurt in your weakest link. I remember him saying, and also, and, and also that it's, 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 yeah, you get into a range of motion outside of where you're competent, where you're strong. That's, that's where you tend to get hurt. So making sure that you strengthen all those different muscles, because you're, you're most likely to get hurt probably in your weak area. And in a sport like wrestling, that's another thing Dr. Yassa said, constant changement of movements, all kinds of different twists and turns. And I think about Bruce Lee saying, baby, you better stretch, you better strengthen every muscle in your body. So it's, it's absolutely right. So that's the answer. One by 20 for starting a weightlifting program. Dr. Yassis also spoke about the secrets of Soviet sports training. Again, that's, not, that's the next one on our list. Go ahead. Yeah. Secrets of Soviet success. So this book I thought was great. Remember my master's degree is in exercise science and, and we're at least 30 or 40 years behind the Soviets. I remember hearing Louis Simmons say that, and he was absolutely right. The way, the way they have information broken down is just unbelievable because they basically took their best scientists and they had them learn the sport of wrestling, the, the sport of basketball, track and field, gymnastics, and so on and so forth. Everything is so broken down. Like for us, nutrition, it's just, you know, you look at the, you look in the, the backside of foods and it, and it tells you 100% vitamin C, you know, 20% calcium, those kind of things. Well, these guys break it down per sport. These scientists broke it down. What are your specific needs for vitamin A, D, C, and B for wrestling, which is different than track, which is different than gymnastics? He breaks that down. In America, we think about cutting, we think about a sauna in terms of cutting weight. They're not looking at it like that in the Soviet Union and Russia. For them, the sauna was all about recovery and it was very specific. Three minutes on the bottom bench, three minutes on the top, three minutes on the bottom bench, and then your legs are straight out this time, whereas the last two times your feet were dangling. It has to be between 190 and 210 degrees, 15% relative humidity. It's got to be about an, an hour after you take a shower using soap. I mean, this is stuff you just wouldn't even think about. It tells you um, basically also how to recover in between rounds, the proper way for self-massage for your shoulders, for your arms, basically the direction of the massage and how you should be doing it. It talks about Sports psychology, mindset, how the Soviets were flooded with that, with that information, as opposed to in America, where a lot of times that we were doing very little of it. They were doing even, ba even back in the 70s and 80s. And what, speak what, were some of the specific, what were some of the specifics there? Did they say something about doing that 20 minutes a day or per week? What, what were they talking about there? With, with which? So sports psychology, mindset training. They were, I remember they were doing at least – it's at least 20 minutes a week, if not per day. It says – it's, it says right here in the U.S., top athletes rarely have more than one or two meetings with a sports psychologist. We're a mindset coach like we are. While their peers in the Soviet Union are immersed in an array of programs, these athletes are placed into six-month-long psychological training schedules to develop a proper mental attitude. They spend at least 10 to 15 minutes on training every training day in psychological preparation. It's a year-round year regimen. So that's exactly what we're talking about. Yep. yep. Also how – they, they invested a lot more money, and this is a big thing we talk about with a lot of coaches who are constantly saying, oh, we're buying new mats, new equipment, new gear, because like a lot of the kids like it, and I get it. That's part of being a kid. But they invested heavily not in the looks. They, they invested heavily in the athletes. So they had uh, you know, sports psychologists, nutritionists, massage therapists. Zeke did this when we were at Penn. He brought in a masseuse. 
He had nutrition to speak to the team from the, the Penn School of Medicine. He had chiropractor. Yep. Um, sports psychologists come in and speak to us. In the Soviet Union, they would be in all different sports. They'd be getting down on their hands and knees, hammering boards into the ground before a volleyball meet. The, the, the conditions were atrocious, he writes about in this book, but they knew how to play. And in America, we kind of rely more on talent and kind of like survival of the fittest. But when a Soviet when a Soviet sprinting coach spoke to an American over at a bar over the Olympics one year, said, how do you train your how do you train your your athletes? And he said, well, we, we you know, how do you teach them to run better? And it was basically, you know, very little where the Soviet coaches were just they were completely taken aback and surprised. Like you have to be able to train them. And that's exactly what Yessa says. Every athlete can get better. The Soviets didn't have the talent we had. So they needed to learn how to develop athletes. So they invested heavily in the athletes. And that's what we tell coaches. If you're wasting your money on gear and 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 different new mats and everything, like you could get by on worse mats. But if your athletes are getting hammered, if they're getting crushed out on the mat, if they're not able to compete mentally, if they're not eating right, if they're not, you know, they're sore before the competitions, you're wasting your money on the wrong things. If your team starts kicking butt, you'll get donors that come out of the woodwork because everyone wants to be with a winner. That's why yeah. we say too, all the all the trash talking that goes on in the UFC, it's like if you if you just become a butt kicker, you don't need to do all the trash talking. I get it, some people do, but if, if people want to be associated with a winner, and yeah. the winners have great technique. You need to you need to spend your time and resources on developing the athlete. That's the most right. important thing. So the next topic I have here is wrestling specific exercises. So you hear a lot about wrestling specific exercises, and that's something that really exciting. I mean, we have that coming out with Dr. Yeses. We're working together on him, with him on that. And basically, we took the seven to ten basic skills of wrestling. We sent that over to Dr. Yeses, and now he's going to be putting together what exercises a wrestler should be doing to, <clears throat> excuse me, to develop those muscles, those joints. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. This is an interesting one because I wrote to Dr. Yeses about this probably in 2013 when I found out about everything that he does. I said, what are some of the specific wrestling uh, exercises? And he got and he got back, but he said, oh, we need to spend more time and everything. We developed a nice relationship over the past, basically since COVID when he first appeared on our show. And now we're putting together a great program together doing exactly that. So I remember our dad always had... um. In the old one of the old wrestling books, he would show us said the seven basic skills of wrestling, and you could probably add a few more to that since then. But here, basically, it comes down to stance and motion, a split level change, penetration step, a stand up and cutaway, a cutaway used in multiple situations, a sprawl, a switch or changeover, a Granby roll, a lift, and a back arch. So basically, what I did with Doctor Yesis when we met is I sent him the videos. Carrie Colot in Colot.com. He he made it. He made all of these videos. Of how to demonstrate. He demonstrated all these videos for people as an educational. I sent that all to him. It's funny because when Doctor Yeses first watched the video, he said, "Man, you must have been really good. You're real powerful." And I didn't correct him at first, so he thinks I'm Carrie Colot. But no, he doesn't. He doesn't anymore. I eventually told him. He kept saying it, and I told him I was like, "No, that's not me." But he was black. He was wearing black and yellow in the in the video. If you remember those, shout out Carrie Colot. He is he is harsh. He's an intense man. He is. But, but nonetheless, Carrie Colot demonstrates the videos. Dr. Yeses was able to go through, watch the technique, break it down. What specific exercises are most necessary for wrestlers to execute these movements? So basically, like I said, we took those 10 basic movements in wrestling that almost everyone needs to do. And Dr. Yeses came up with specific exercises using his active cords 
how to trigger these muscles optimally, how to trigger these movements optimally. Remember that it's not necessarily going to build you a bigger bench. Your squat numbers don't necessarily go up, but when you get into a stance, you're more powerful. When you cut away, it's more explosive. Your, your, your switch is faster. You're stronger in these different planes of motions that you're going to be specifically in, in a wrestling match. You're able to lift an opponent. How many wrestlers, I remember even as my bench and my squat were going up, I wasn't lifting people more. Why? Well, because technique, of course, and also you need specific movements for that. Don't think just because you hang clean or, or snatch or do a power clean and, you know, power clean, hang clean, you're not automatically going to lift the guys. You need to have specific movements. So Dr. Yassis and Wrestling Mindset are coming up with this great program. And, and this is all part of his biomechanics and kinesiology and exercise. This has all the moves with his active cords. The great thing about the active cords is that you could travel in a different plane of motion. Um, regular, regular weightlifting, you're in one plane. You're moving forward and back. You're in the sagittal plane. You're never really in the transverse plane where you're rotating side to side, where you're going back and forth. It's usually just forward and back or to the side, but you need to be able to twist and turn. And that's what the active cords provide. So this biomechanics book, this is all the technical about it in our program. It's going to be broken down very simple for wrestlers. And I think you asked him during his interview at the leadership clinic, what percent are active cords versus like standard lifts? And he said like 80% active cords. And it's like, people don't use those at all now, pretty much <laughs> at all. So it's 80% active cords, 20, 20% traditional strength training. So selfishly, I'm excited to use this stuff for my children, you know, to see how they, how they do with this stuff and, you know, getting them started on the right track. So. Yeah. And, and he said, he sent over the active cords for me. I was doing the exercises here. Great thing is you could do them inside or outside. So it breaks up the training on uh, a nice day. You could go, you could go out there, get some fresh air, kill two birds with one stone. Who wants to be in a dungeon the whole day? If you don't have to be, if you had to be, you had to be, but if you have an option, you could always go outside you could bring them with you on family vacation, which you just got back from, and uh, yeah, making sure it's 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 important with those with those active cords, you know, to to give it a chance to really give it a chance because when I did it, I'll be honest, I'm used to doing my traditional squats, deadlifts, all that stuff, and that's great. That should be part of your plan. But when I when I started with the active cord, it's you almost feel like I'm maybe I'm not I'm not lifting weights. This doesn't feel the same. I don't know the exact how many pounds that I'm lifting. But, but when you challenge yourself and you step out, when you put the, when you hook the weight up to your leg or to your waist and you turn, there's a lot of resistance. What you don't get is the mental fix to know I'm lifting 130 pounds. I'm lifting 140 pounds. You have to step out and the, and the more resistance you give yourself, the more, the more weight it is, but you don't know the exact amount of weight. Well, this is where trust comes in. You trust the scientists. You trust a guy like Dr. Yeses who's seen this improve. But at first, you have to overcome that, that mental barrier. And it is. It's mindset where you're like, am I really lifting weights? Is this really doing anything? Yes. What strength training is, is resistance training. You're battling against resistance in different movements to, strength, to strengthen the muscles. Now you're just doing it more wrestling specific. And you're less likely to get hurt. You're not going to drop yep. the weight on you. So it's safer. I, I think another one of the challenges we sometimes talk about, and one of the barriers is that it, it's probably going to be a little bit more complex, right? Because traditional exercising, strength training is pretty easy. We're going to do a, you know, a shoulder press. It's very easy. A bench press. It's very straightforward. Whereas these bands, you're going to have to hook them up to your ankle, to your hips, not your waist, he said. He said most people just attach them to your waist 
that's pointless in wrestling. He's like, you're going to have to put them, attach them to your hips. But anyway, they're going to be a little bit more complex. So you're going to have to spend some time learning the new technique, learning the new skill to be able to do it. But I mean, we put so much time into wrestling anyway that it's time well spent. So it's just, it's balancing that the practical versus, you know, because you have to get the kids to do it also, you know, nine, 10, 11 year old. So a little challenge here, a bit of a barrier, but worth putting the time into if, if you know it's going to be more effective. Like you said, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And he certainly advocates for standard exercises. I mean, that one by 20 method, it's a lot of standard exercises. It's just saying, make sure you d- make sure you include the active cords because there you're able to hit muscles and muscle groups that are specific to wrestling that you don't normally train. And again, I think back to us in high school, five or six days a week, lifting weights, probably 45 minutes to an hour. And we were not necessarily doing the things we needed to do to get our hand raised on the wrestling mat. And then you think about the one or two point losses, overtime losses, and it's, man, I probably could have put less time in lifting weights on the right things, on the right exercises, got a better bang for the buck. And you're preserving your body. Remember, the cords work just like muscles. They just like rubber bands. They expand and they contract. That's how the muscles work. So you want you want to make sure that you're you're doing that because you're less likely. You have to balance the risk benefit ratio. Get stronger for the sport of wrestling and don't get hurt. The Penn State strength coach Sean Contos, then at Maryland and then over at Dubuque University, said that you know no injuries in the weight room. You have to optimize, not not maximize or minimize. Get get the most out of your exercises. Don't let them get the most out of you. All right, we got two more topics, and we're going a little bit long. So. Back to Dr. Kirby, uh, International Journal of Wrestling Science. He talks about injuries and the age of specialization. So they did a study. They researched Olympic athletes who specialized before age 12 and who specialized after age 12. And not a surprise, they found significantly more injuries, more long-term injuries in wrestlers who specialized before the age of 12, which I think speaks volumes to what Dr. Yeses was talking about you know, developing skills, developing strength, muscular endurance, coordination, all of that stuff. But they found, not surprisingly, that there's much more injuries when you specialize early. Um, I know you want to talk about that a little bit, Gene, quickly? Yeah, the key, the, the key is thinking about, when, when you think about your training, you have to look at the big picture. And a lot of times we just think, get strong, get strong, or, or get more mad experience. You have to also be thinking about your body, long-term about the body. And our, our series that we did, which was inspired by Dr. Yassis, our YouTube, um, uh, the series on the secrets of Soviet sports training, which was basically a complete knockoff of Dr. Yassis's title. But what we said, but w- what we found there is the Soviets were saying, you need to protect your body. I think um, Vogar spoke about this. Pinnigan spoke about this, that they, they weren't, and, and Valentin Kalika Valentin spoke about Kalika. it. Yep. They, they they spoke about not hitting your knees for like the first four years of wrestling training. Don't show don't show the kid a penetration step. Why? Because now you're you're practicing going down to the mat and your knee keeps pounding, 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 and you multiply that over the course of years. Vogar was a two-time world champ. He said he never had a major injury. If he was hurt, his coach made him sit out. And, and that's that's a big thing. We're always thinking about I gotta get to the next competition. I got to wrestle more. These guys are thinking about the long-term body. And now look at us in our 30s. It's like if I make a couple quick turns, my knee is really feeling it. If I do, if you know, my shoulder different, go on the monkey bars, forget about it. I feel it my shoulder. I'd rather throw a Frisbee sidearm than throw a football any day where my shoulder's coming out of its pocket. 
Well, what does that look like now when you're 60, 70, 80 years old? So the point is you need to be thinking about it long term. you got to think, how do I protect my body? If you get hurt, you can't train, which means you're not going to be getting better physically anyway. So think about taking care of your body. It's no joke. And ask coaches, ask good wrestlers and good athletes that you look up to, if they could go back in their career, what would they what would they do differently? Almost everyone talks about how they would take better care of their body. Even if you're able to lift more weights by horsing it through and, and cheating on the exercises and overtraining yourself right now, it's going to come at the long-term expense, not only of winning competitions, but at the expense of your body long-term. And you're going to have your body long-term. So you don't want to you don't want to be uh, wrecked by the time you're in your mid thirties. Yep, and since I have young kids, I'm spending more time coaching youth wrestling. You see how difficult it is if you're trying to teach a kid a penetration step, and it's like how much easier it is to just lower your level and shoot a high single, right? And you're not. It's something that they could learn maybe in in five days. It'll take them five months, a year, much longer. So they could learn it much quicker, and they're not beating up their knees by taking penetration steps and hitting their knees all the time. So. I think it's a strategy. It's it's easier to coach and it's more practical long term. Yeah, re- so with- re- I was say, re- rehab and prehab are definitely the future. And when we interviewed John Quint, who is the physical therapist for Westside Barbell, he we we even kind of concluded from there that we shouldn't call it rehab and prehab. And it's just your your joint flexibility and your what what did we call it? Basically your your basic mobility, stability, and joint training. That if you're not doing that, especially when you spend a lot of time in a bad position and a stance is a bad position, you're not anatomically correct. You're hunched over. So you're going to need time balancing that out. Your shoulders, your arms are constantly going forward. Your anatomical position, your safe position is back. You're going to need to balance that out with doing a lot of different movements for, for joint flexibility and um, mobility and stability. That is, that is a great episode. Check out that one on our YouTube page, YouTube channel, John Quinn, Westside Barbell. All right, last thing I wanted to touch on, um, Dr. David Kirby, International Journal, Wrestling Science, your your thesis. So back in the day, anxiety and perfectionism, that's how we first learned about this journal of wrestling science. Talk about that in, in a few minutes, anxiety and perfectionism. Yeah, so, so, so he approached me about that. I never heard of the International Journal of Wrestling Science, and he said, and, and he said no, we, he, my thesis must have went out there in the scientific um, cyberspace or whatever you want to call it. And, and it was out there and he said, and, and, and basically he said he would like to publish the abstract of the journal, uh, of the abstract of, of my study inside the journal. So I said, sure. And everything. And then he sent me the copy of it, of what it looks like. And eventually it was originally an e-copy. I think you have the, the one that the mom printed out for us. This is the one that he, this is the one that he had binded, but nonetheless, when you go through it, my abstract is on page. Wait a minute. I, I think I picked up the wrong one. Yeah, I did pick up the wrong one. But nonetheless, there's there's a whole bunch of these by now. There's probably close to 40 I'll post, of these. I'll post it in the show notes. I'll post up the um, Gene's thesis on, again, wrestling study on perfectionism and anxiety. I'll post yeah, that up in the show notes. We did this one in a summer camp. So imagine if the anxiety was high at a summer camp before matches. Imagine during the season or postseason. This imagine, is just- imagine, imagine Fargo, which is going on right now. Also, it is part of our wrestling mindset program that we take every athlete through. So the questions that Gene asked in his thesis, that's part of our wrestling mindset program right now. Self-knowledge, the, the parent mindset guy, the coach's mindset guy. Yeah. And and truth be told, I basically plagiarized these quest- questions. I didn't plagiarize. I switched it around enough where I wouldn't get hit for it. But nonetheless, the, the Frost multidimensional perfectionism scale, 
it breaks it breaks perfectionism down into six different subscales: organization, doubt about actions, criticism, um, uh, parental criticism, parental expectations, competence, and um, I might have missed one of them, but it's all there. And nonetheless, they find what we did in our what we do in our mindset program is we address the the parent relationship, parental expectations, parental criticism, because overall, perfectionism as a whole, the more perfection you, the more perfectionistic you are, the more nervous you get. Usually, the worse you do. Now, confidence or um, personal standards is one of the subgroups. Generally speaking, higher personal standards, the better you do. Uh, the higher your confidence, the better your organization, generally speaking, the less anxiety, the, be- the better you perform. But the other but the other um, subgroups of perfectionism, they actually hurt you. Well, nonetheless, it has inside that journal. It gives you the basic results of that. But I was flipping through it. I'm way more excited about the other research in there. Of course, it's great that my stuff got put in there. But I mean, just so much good information on, again, injury prevention, technique, strength, warm ups. Cool downs, all weight. that stuff. Weight, weight management, yeah. Weight cutting. So it's 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 all, and I mean for everything, Greco-Roman, freestyle, women's wrestling, all that stuff, and and studies of Olympic champions and world championships, breakdowns of what moves are used most frequently at the highest level. It's unbelievable. Everyone's got to check that out because Dr. David Kirby he had a chart of all the different topics. It's it, if you remember, it was like in a circle. And it talks about all the different topics that that are in the journal. And it's it's a lot of stuff that probably most of us haven't even thought about, but are going to be interesting. Right. I took I took one pass at, at going through and, and highlighting all the international journal articles. Um, took me a few hours. And I did the same thing with Dr. Yesis's articles that pertain to wrestling. And it's just loaded. Like you said, it's things that you wouldn't it's topics you wouldn't even think about. And everything that you rack your brain for. What should I be doing before a match, after a match, cutting weight? Technique. What should I spend time on drilling? What should my warm up look like? It's all taken care of for you. Why reinvent the wheel? Just study what these people have. And because you might not want to drop a few hundred dollars on this, you know, the the benefit here would be make sure that you just check out our resources. We're constantly posting it up there. Okay, great. All right. So last thing we're going to we're going to jump into. No, I think we, we hit our list. We're good. We are, so remember this leadership clinic that we keep referring to, $39.99 lifetime access. We'll post the link in the show notes. Our book, Developing the Predator Mindset in Sports and Life, on sale, $10 off, only $14.99 now through July 31st, so the end of July. So make sure you get our book, buy the book for your team. It's a great book study. And um, this clinic was, was second to none for less than 40 bucks. I don't know how any coach or wrestler or parent, you know, wouldn't just get lifetime access to that. It's loaded with information. And we're going to keep recapping it during these um, during these podcast episodes. Certain things just need to be part of your, your coaching repertoire. There's certain videos you need to have. There's certain DVDs you need to own. There's certain um, programs you need to be a part of. Um, obviously, like everyone needs, you just need a, a Flow Wrestling Access account. That's just right. like one of those mandatory things as a wrestler, right? Well, it's the same. it's the same thing with this. Uh, many coaches said this was the best coaches event that they've ever been a part of. So loaded with information. You could see it all there. Any further questions, make sure you reach out to us. Mindset at wrestlingmindset.com. We hit on a lot of topics today, today, and there's a lot more we could have spoke about, and we will in the future. So we'll talk to you again next week. And as always, mindset makes the difference. Out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.